0: Calendar versus the machine. My name is Kyle. Is it though? No, it's actually is it? it's, it's it's actually Big Papa. That's weird. <laughs> that's that's what you
1: went with there. Actually, do you remember your first handle online, like what you used? It was probably Y-O-U-N-D-S, because the first time I got on the public net was through a college course my dad made me take in high school. And we were in a little lab yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're like, This is the internet. And I was like, Oh, what's Hotmail? And immediately, I found my first porn website. Oh,
0: perfect. It's great. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> mine was MadDog53. So, that's I what I was, was on pretty much every forum that I went to in the early days. I'm ashamed
1: for you. Yeah. I had one that I was, prom- when I met Helen uh, on Asian Avenue, mine was Lethargic, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: with a one instead of an I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope. No, that wasn't necessary at the time. (laughs) It was so early on. You could just use words. What's
0: your username? It's
1: A.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the machine.
0: This is a podcast where a sentient machine is fortunate each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be the year 2018, and the machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to. Although, we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film... Ready. Player. One. Boop, 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 boop. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego. Like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when
2: I was a kid. My mom, too. And I ended up here. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere.
1: There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the oasis. A
0: whole virtual
2: universe. Take you on a trip the world and back. People come to the
1: That sounds more like a old modem dial. Mm. Well, that a
0: mistake. Uh, I, <laughs> I think actually the internet was a mistake, Dave. Big thank you to I our patrons, of hindsight. course, over on Patreon. Their contributions help us continue this show since, you know, the machine doesn't help us pay for these movies. Plus, each month we do a bonus episode over there, which, uh, by the way, this is the first episode of June. So we should probably record our bonus episode for May. Oh,
1: that means I gotta watch that. What is it called? Q? Q. Okay.
0: Now, before we get into this week's film, Dave, I think I think I know what's going on. I said that we had come back and we were in the wrong multiverse.
1: Hmm. Mm.
0: By the way, people always tune in for this deep and rich fiction that we provide for them each and every week. Wow. We've had quite a At journey. in this multiverse yeah. they do. Yeah. But I think, I think we might be part of a, a simulation. I think that's what the mm. issue is. Maybe maybe when we, many, many, many weeks ago, when we were delivering those rabbits to that uh, weird woman, maybe she's trapped us in a simulation.
1: Yes. Is that possible? Because, uh, yeah. You know, when I deliver rabbits, I love clicking on links. And it's just, it's a problem of mine. Mm-hmm. Anything pops up, I'll put my finger on it. And I do remember doing that with one of the bunnies. Oh, okay. So it's your fault then. It's its very likely.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. Let me this I'm going to bring out my scorecard here and it says Kyle's fault and Dave's fault. And I'm putting a one little tick mark next to your name underneath <laughs> my 75 tick marks next to my name. <laughs>
1: Well, oh, it's evening out. yeah well we'll
0: probably figure that out hopefully maybe even by the end of this week's episode we are talking of course i already said ready player one based on a book so i thought we should maybe take some time and uh pick apart our history with this uh with this property did you read the book ready player one
1: i have actually read I this have book.
0: too this is interesting
1: after the movie though oh after, after. The
0: movie. i read it before
1: yeah yeah so you knew of it before the film came out or you read it i
0: mean this was a pretty popular book in nerd circles like on the internet this was like a pretty popular book
1: this is is how you know i'm cool because i had never heard of it until the film was made kyle i I smoked cigarettes i was like out there (laughs) doing stuff right with my hands Uh (laughs) uh-huh my feet Uh (laughs) poking bunnies were you though (laughs) were you doing things (laughs) i straddle i straddle both ends of the spectrum kyle Mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm like, I don't know if you him. did. I feel like anytime I bring up any <laughs> reference
0: to like super nerd culture, you're like what, what is this? You, you did what now? <laughs> super nerds. Anyways, book published in t- 2011. I probably read it honestly because I knew the movie was coming out in 2017, maybe 2016, somewhere in that, in that ballpark. I probably read it. What are your, what do you remember?
1: Yeah. So I read it after I watched the movie and I thought the concepts and the overall reference to pop culture and the story, of course, were a little bit fuller in the novel, but I thought the novel was actually written kind of poorly. There's a lot of like, I don't know, is this one of those self-published ones? It felt like it needed some editing. And it felt like some of the, in my memory of this, is that some of the language is sort of overwrought and kind of like very... Uh,
0: I mean, it is, it's certainly melodramatic. I, I agree heavy. with you in that I don't think the prose is all that good Pros. in it. What I think it excels at is I think the story in and of itself is pretty interesting. Yes. It is basically a video game structure to it, like you're given this quest, yeah. you have to go on it, you complete it, the next challenge unlocks, like it's very sequential and very beholden to video game logic in that way. We'll get into this a little bit in the um, back story about how it was received initially upon release, and how it's uh, kind book. of been reevaluated since then, but in the my book. opinion, okay. I was just cresting <laughs> into my opinion that unchecked nostalgia is actually a bad thing and this book really straddled that line to be like wasn't it oh wasn't it way better in the 80s wasn't the 80s the best time there's nothing bad about the 80s and it's like okay like i don't know if i fully commit to this this idea the idea that someone in the year 2040 or whenever this book is taking place like no, my favorite movie is war games (laughs) that's my favorite movie (laughs) of all time like oh i don't Uh, know
1: uh, well we gotta give this writer this much credit doing this podcast it does seem like maybe late 80s early 90s may in hindsight have been the peak of american culture
0: i see i even reject that notion i think it is peak culture only if you say before it's niched out to such an extent that no one has the same culture anymore sure maybe
1: uh oh i just mean more like maybe in my mind more it was homogenous well yeah i was still hopeful and it was still winning like capitalism Mm. pure capitalism was still winning even though the seeds had already been planted that we were going to be dominated by these you know oligopolies but we didn't know it yet yet yeah so we had this innocence and ignorance right
0: robocop felt like a fantasy and now you're like oh yo that would have (laughs) totally happened a thousand percent (laughs) that would happen
1: yeah yeah, it's (laughs) happening right now we we have drone warfare Mm -hmm. The Ed 209 is a real thing. They probably just haven't put it on the streets, but it probably exists. I think
0: if you look at media, for sure, there is this idea that there was this a bit of optimism mixed with cynicism. I don't know how to say it. It's a very Gen X idea, this entire book, in my opinion, where where it's like media was way better back then. You could disassociate it and you can divorce it from any type of politics or anything like that, even though there was some very political stuff in in the media from the 80s, too.
1: But here's the thing, like, there was, absolutely, there's always political stuff, but how much of that is in hindsight, too? Like, right now, we live in an era where Trump's an easy target.
2: Oh, Jesus, here we go.
1: Even before he's president, he's a target. You Mm. know he's a buffoon, even in the primaries, whereas, like, the 80s and 90s, we tried to impeach (laughs) a president for having sex with his uh, assistant, which is still bad. Yeah. But he wasn't running a fucking fraudulent billionaire scam on the side sure. and diverting politicians to his brain golf courses. Like it's it's different. There's just something, yeah, like you said, more uh, niche and more extreme. Uh, so we were aware, like I was aware and growing up in the 80s and 90s, lots of problems sure. in the world, but uh, not in movies and games. Right. Yeah, you
0: could, And again, that's because yeah. you're growing up at that time. You don't have to worry about all the other stuff that's going on. Um, I really want to delve in much more with this idea of how we interact with culture when we get to a future film this year. Because I think it's much more relevant. (laughs) Actually, I don't actually think this movie is even concerned with that topic, to be honest with you. Um, Which is 8th grade. We'll talk about it when we...
1: I don't think I've seen that. All right. Bo
0: Burnham's first film is what we're going to be talking about. Anyways.
1: Oh, that was supposed to be good. I never watched that with the teenagers.
0: Anyways, for the book... Pros, not the biggest fan. The idea mm. that everything was better in the 80s, okay, I guess I can put up with that. What I what I personally think the book excels with. I'm not one of those people who thinks it's like the worst thing ever written, which there are those people out there too. I actually quite like the central mystery and how it is figured out. I like the mm. three challenges that they go through, how do they how they beat it. Yes, it's references to, like, specific video games, specific movies, specific whatever. I don't know. I found that whole idea of, like, uh, discovering it and, and figuring that out an interesting journey to go on. It's kind of, like, I don't know. The male version of a beach read is what I termed the book. It's like it's pretty light, you're not going to be overtaxing your brain while reading it. No. and it's a fun little like diversion. Aside, like, that's basically aside how I, from the prose.
1: Yeah. yeah, you tax your brain. There's some sloggy mm. parts of the narrative, but yes, I agree with you. It's
0: the only it's part, and we should talk about this on how they change it for the movie. One of the things that they had to do in that book, and I to this day, I'm just like, I don't know if I fully buy this, <laughs> which is one of the challenges is that he has to recite from memory the entire script of War Games. Like, that is how he has mm, to be. it. That's crazy. Uh, and it's like, I don't, know. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I don't know about I'm that. Tr- I'm trying to remember. There was, like, when I was a teenager, there were a few movies where I would have tried to take a shot at that. But I, now I don't even remember what they were. Um, Anch of the Dragon, sure. for sure. I think I've watched that. 600 times uh i would
0: pick like a mad max movie because there's like eight lines of dialogue in those movies
1: (laughs) but you don't remember the dialogue because it happens so infrequently and you just remember like boxy Mm -hmm. cars i knives sticking out of them
0: i i never was that good because i'm i have a terrible memory for that sort of thing i remember scenes and Mm. feelings but tell me like what do they say in the scene like i don't remember i have no idea what they said
1: well i'm likely would have got it all wrong too i mean it's my sense that i knew what they were going to say yeah. but if you're trying to do it verbatim you have to be a robot
2: it's good that you're finally understanding that we're better than you
1: my, my
0: parents tell this story of one of their good friends when they went and saw um, Monty Python in search of the Holy Grail. If you don't know, Monty Python released that movie on record before it came out here in Canada. So you could buy it and listen to the movie. And so their friend had just memorized it. He like, he could say the entire movie start to finish because he listened to it nice. so many times.
1: You know, that's interesting. I feel like, you know, when Adam Sandler and all those guys got famous putting out their records and tapes, yeah. I feel like that was more common because- right it's a single medium and it's in your ear and your brain and then you want to recite the jokes to your friends so you're memorizing mm-hmm. the lines right whereas uh, we've become very passive with visual mediums more more so now than ever i think mm-hmm. but uh, interesting
0: so that is where it was with the book it was like it was a book i liked but didn't love thought it was interesting that spielberg was the one who was going to direct it because Uh, A lot of his films are referenced in that book. I was like, how is that going to work? And to not spoil it necessarily, but Spielberg basically said, like, I'm not putting my own movies into this. (laughs) He just said straight up, I don't I'm not interested in uh, self self congratulating myself (laughs) To, to that end, though. There's quite a few movies he produced that are in there. Maybe not directed, but a bunch of well, he produced.
1: They had uh I just I remember when they were releasing this movie, one of the nerd criticisms was that they had changed all the reference because they didn't have the licensing rights. Yes. Right? So you gotta pick and choose what you have access pick and choose. to.
0: They'd got eighty percent of the ones they wanted, is what I read. that's what Spielberg's guess is. The biggest change that they had to do was the end fight right? It's uh, Mecha Godzilla, and it's supposed to be Ultraman that he's fighting. That's mm. what it is in the book, uh, and they couldn't get the rights to Ultraman to put him in, so it has to be the Iron Giant. Uh, which uh, I'm gonna be a super nerd and talk about why I'm mad that they use the Iron Giant in that in that way, but because it's
1: supposed to be peaceful.
0: Yeah, that's the whole point of that book or that movie. I know. Is he's supposed but to be a it's, peaceful... it's
1: an Avatar.
0: Here's my big. Th- okay, fine. We'll just get into it right now. Two movies came out within a couple of years of each other. This movie and Space Jam, two whatever they whatever the subtitle. Why
1: would? Yeah. Okay. A movie. That's a strong word. <laughs> yeah, movie.
0: But if you remember in that movie, there's a they have they go to Warner Brothers Land and it has all of their IP that. Yeah.
1: You're the only person who who's watched that movie,
0: Dave. the The, the drugs from Clockwork Orange are in the basketball audience, and it's so crazy to me. Uh, the Iron Giant is also in that movie, and what does he do? He uses a weapon in that movie too, and it just bugs me. It's like that's not the whole the whole point of that movie is that he's not supposed to be used as a weapon.
1: So you're saying that in Space Jam, if the drugs were in, you would want them to be raping somebody. <laughs> Well, that's the only th- accurate way that it would have been depicted I, I in mean, the film. I
0: mean, me, I would be like, maybe don't put the drugs in the audience. That's fair. That's, that's fair. Not, but I guess my point like right next to the hobbits, and it's so that weird. They're
1: just there as skins. They shouldn't be. Drugs should not be in Space Jam. But Iron Giant, I mean, they're not there because they respect the content. They just like the look of the skin. Yeah, that's a
0: problem, you know, Dave. That's, that's a problem. Over. People like the skin and don't like the I, message. And you could
1: tell that Droog was just trolling. You know, just some, one of the producers just being an you asshole.
0: Know, not to get super political here all of a sudden, but I mean, maybe that's the problem with Christianity. You like, you like the, the, the concept of it, but you don't like to follow the tenets of the religions. Well,
1: I've always said that, but I was watching uh, this TED Talk and it's great. I I'm still debating whether I should send it to Emerson's teacher to show. <laughs> it's this guy talking about how culture is a story, but the story used to be inclusive of nature and all people, all of these things. But at the advent of Christianity's popularity, that story became about empowering an external God and therefore empowering humans to, to rule and reign over nature, to destroy and essentially rape mm. nature, reap it. Christianity leads to the scientific revolution And then it gets worse and worse until we're now at the stage where we're like, oh, uh, we shouldn't have been destroying everything around us. It's a weird concept. I
0: I have this article saved and I want to delve into it because I heard someone talking about it. So I want to disseminate it myself. But what they were bringing forth, which I never really considered. And again, let's save this to eighth grade because I think it's going to be a more fuller discussion. Up until very recently, media was designed by... A generation above, or two generations above, who where you are at? Right, most media is designed for younger people, you know, teenagers, early twenties. If we're growing up in the eighties, Spielberg's in his forties by this point, and in that point, and in his fifties and stuff. But mm-hmm. so he's disseminating he's something and giving it to us, and yeah. we're like feasting off of it, but not mm-hmm. in our same generation whatsoever. So there's always this bit of a. An trailing effect of like what they're interested in, trying to figure out a way to present it to a younger generation that makes money and you know drives the conversation. Nowadays, it's actually different. The people who are driving media that young people are consuming are of their own generation. You're going to TikTok or YouTube or wherever else That's and it's being no- made for you by the people so there's not that distance anymore
1: yeah also no wisdom right
0: so that's what that that was their point no. it's like it's not that they're bad creators necessarily but there hasn't been yeah, they are yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily that they're bad creators but what it has is this bad feedback loop where you're just yeah insulated without yes that that distance of time and uh, and wisdom i guess is the best word
1: i mean uh, if you reflect on yourself when you're let's say 20 Not only do we have different and short-sighted ideas, but they were more extreme. We're more Mm -hmm. emotional because we believe we've already seen everything about life and we understand how the world ought to be. And then once you hit your 40s, you're like, I don't know anything. I don't fucking (laughs) know anything. I have strong opinions still, but I wake up every morning. I'm like, oh shit, I was totally wrong about this thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I got to reset. I got to read another book. Yeah, it's something. It's one of my little bit of
0: a nitpicks where I, this is where i feel like the oldest man in the world because i see this so often in teenagers and uh, like early 20s when the idea of like problematic stuff comes up and i'm not talking about like problematic as in like that guy's a like a sexual rapist or something like that i'm talking about like this character does something bad in this movie i watched and therefore oh, yeah. this is a bad show and like yeah okay, but you have to have context here. Like, bad things happen sometimes to people. And just because it's showing something bad in this does not mean that they're saying this is a good thing this character is doing. You have to look at the whole thing. Um, Anyway, it's a big pet peeve of mine when I see that.
1: This is why I've been maybe overly vocal against cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like... There are things that people should be held accountable for, but I think the youth voice amplifies it to this ironic point where we're going to end up with a totalitarian sure. state, ironically, by the youth, because they can't hear or see anything other than what's happening directly in front of them. We're, we're not talking about Ready Player One anymore, no. but uh, these are these are things that I've been thinking a lot about lately.
2: I guess someone should be. Steven
1: Spielberg kind of a big name Yeah yeah <laughs> We last we may have spoke spil- spoken yeah, about we, him before We last right? talked
0: about him for ET Uh, Mm -hmm. our favorite film of 1982. Before that, we talked about Duel from 1971, his first film, technically, Mm -hmm. first released Mm into theaters at the very least.
1: He didn't put one out in 99, eh? No, 99 is that that
0: weird. You get on either side of Saving Private Ryan and AI are on either side of (laughs) 1999. Damn it. But nothing will ever impress me more than his 1993, where he releases both. Jurassic Park and Schindler's List, and it's is like, who, what filmmaker can release yeah. the Best Picture winner, like this <laughs> very like intense Holocaust drama, and also maybe the best science fiction epic of all time? <laughs> it's just so weird. To peak me.
1: power, peak Steven yeah, Spielberg. Really oh, was. his peak—it's like a twenty-year peak. He, he made a lot of very, very important films. Yeah. I mean,
0: there's always little dips and stuff like that here. I just wanted to put into context where we're going at here, just sticking to the 2010s. So, yeah. 2011, he releases two films again. That's a two-film year for him, where he does The Adventures of Tintin and War Horse. War Horse is actually weirdly one of the three films of Steven Spielberg I have not seen. So, I have no idea. I've never even heard of it. Based on a play. I, I know the play mm. somewhat, but uh, okay. I go to bat for the tin tin movie i actually quite like that movie a lot the
1: the movie isn't bad it's the animation style that got everybody a little twisted i guess because it's very hard to take that two-dimensional and make it into a 3d rendering that uh appeases the public right
0: it didn't bother me i, mean, I don't know
1: it's basically like a indiana jones movie
0: it is so, there is a yeah action sequence that's so well visually conceived in that movie that it's still impressive i'll sometimes go to youtube just to watch it it's just it's so good wow
1: (laughs) yeah no but i like that movie 2012
0: uh he releases lincoln Um, A movie that I haven't seen it. It's I don't know. I think it's perfectly fine. I was never a huge fan of the movie. Maybe it's just my disdain for America.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I thought you like it. He's a wrestler. That's like that's in your bag. I know it's um, I will say this. I think there wasn't enough wrestling.
0: We needed more (laughs) wrestling in this movie. Uh, No, I think it's just kind of a bit of a boring biopic of lincoln mm-hmm. there's
1: nothing well it's biopic we're already biased against it anyways
0: it is a bold choice i will say the boldest choice is to not show the assassination it, it's not shown
1: mm. way to ruin it
0: Wait to, way to um, ruin it sorry
1: spoiler at least throw a spoiler alert, spoiler alert uh right? lincoln
0: is assassinated <laughs> 2015 this is like one of his longest um of not releasing a movie. Bridges, three years, yeah. right? Uh, he does Bridge of Spies, another movie that I will go to bat for.
1: I haven't seen it. Which one's Bridge of Spies? It has Tom Hanks,
0: where he is going across, what is it, Germany? I think wow. it's East and West Germany that he's going across, and has, he's trying to broker a deal between the two sides. It's a script that's written by the Coen Brothers that's directed by Spielberg. 2015
1: was a bad year for me, personally. Yeah. I don't think I watched any movies. I was uh, miserable. Mm. I've never even heard of this film. I,
0: again... Huh. Quite like I think I like it m- way more than most people do, even though I concede the final 10 minutes are not that good. But <laughs> okay. everything up until that okay. point, I'm like totally on board with. 2016, he brings out The BFG, a movie that I actually quite hate. <laughs> I don't like I, that movie that at mean, all. it's bad. Okay, yeah. The Post is 2017. It's another movie that I find kind of bland and a little bit boring. And then 2018 is Ready Player One. This is going to be, as of this recording, his last like... Unqualified. This is a hit, a movie that makes money as it's released. Because he follows that up, twenty twenty one, you have West Side Story, a movie I love, but made no money.
1: Oh, I'm surprised by that. And
0: then twenty twenty two is the Fablemans, a movie I I like, but also made no money.
1: Oh, I'm surprised by yeah. that too. I thought both of them. I mean, they got the Oscar buzz. I guess COVID fucked up the box office a little quote bit quote but for but both like, of them.
0: Eh? Just to put that into like a monetary perspective, a hundred million dollars was the West Side Story budget it made 76 like it it Ooh. bombed at the box office yeah. the fable men's very personal there's some scenes in that that i think are gorgeous and lovely but it's a 40 million budget and it made 45 million dollars so again did not do very well
1: the failments was never gonna make money not. that's not a make money film that's a you know that's his memoir i
0: will say there was a time even his lower like lower budget films oh, he well. put spielberg yeah, in the title and it's making an easy hundred mil like you, you were not yeah. gonna get less than that
1: well you're saying the nerds disowned him at some point yeah. too
0: he's considered right? pretentious now which i i, I cannot imagine saying anyways, it's my soapbox saying he's like you mean the most populous director of all time like it's just so bog <laughs> goes my mind and anyone would say it's like That's,
1: it's this kid echo chamber right it's just one idiot one loud idiot on twitter and then all of a sudden five thousand idiots on twitter are like you know what that is a good observation and then their friends are like yeah this guy's really smart i'm smart too That's i'm gonna read you're not smart this. <laughs> you're being yeah. stupid observation is one thing but projecting an observation to encapsulate a human characteristic is dangerous yeah i i mean i like doing it too but uh you know it's just uh but that's just uh, a thing to be careful that's of. That's
0: been his thing, right? His uh, one for them, one for me approach has been his last mm-hmm. 20 years, basically. So do a big budget film that's supposed to draw a lot of money and then a more personal project and then a big budget movie and then a personal project. He kind of just bounces back and forth between those two. And when, but... he,
1: when he peaked, his personal project was Schindler's List. His personal project true. was Schindler's List. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not wrong.
2: Schindler's List made $322 million in 1993. Wow.
0: Um, I'm still a fan. I mean, they're two very different filmmakers, but both him and Scorsese are these two filmmakers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to watch everything you make. I might not like everything you make, but I still am there because yeah. they're like the two yeah. elder statesmen now and
1: they're still making interesting movies. It's auteurs, man. Ridley really, Scott. I mean, I still haven't had a chance to watch I am The Last Duel, but. So
0: excited for his Napoleon movie coming out this year. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like him. He, and he does not always make good films, but there's just something-
0: But he goes for there's it. There's
1: something transcendent about him. Yeah, because he doesn't give a shit.
0: <laughs> Fun fact. Did you know that initially, instead of the Shining that they use in this movie, they wanted to do Blade Runner instead?
1: Oh, and he said no.
0: The studio said no because they were making 2049. And they said, ah. we don't want you to make it before that movie gets released uh, or else okay, it might okay. like dilute how many people want to come and see <laughs> the new Blade yeah, Runner yeah. movie. So
1: wait, when did 2049 come out? I want
0: to say 2019. 2019? I think it might have come out the following year. I'd have to check. I that. I thought it was older
1: but... than that for some reason, but
0: I think that's the thing. I think the the cool part that is that Avengers mentality, right? One of the things that was so thrilling as a comic book fan for like the Avengers was like, oh my god, all these characters are actually all in the, the same movie. Mm. I think mm. part of yeah. the appeal of a Ready Player One is like, oh my gosh, all this IP that I grew up with, it's all going to be in the same movie. Isn't that crazy to think about? It? You're going to see like the DeLorean next to whatever. Insert your favorite thing here. You know, there, there is Karch. something cool to be said about that, uh, even yeah. if it's a fleeting feeling.
1: <laughs> yeah. Ultimate fan service. Mm-hmm.
0: I do think, though, and, and maybe I'm just misremembering the book. Maybe you'll remember this better. Does the book end with the basic central ideas? Like maybe we shouldn't be spending so much time online?
1: I don't think so. I don't think but it I don't remember the end. Yeah.
0: But I can't remember for sure. <laughs> on that yeah, i
1: don't remember how the book ends i it feels very grandpa spielberg to me it does
0: right then i think that's him yeah. infusing like hey yeah i i love movies too i love all this stuff but you should go outside and let's take a walk and, and, and like
1: let's take a walk outside yeah, it's fine yeah unless you're in alberta go breathe some fresh air
0: <laughs> yes we're being choked with smoke <laughs> as, as we record this Listen,
1: we've had a week of aqi 11 mm-hmm. 11 kyle the, it's a scale of 10 <laughs> we have air quality of 11 right Is now Is that why i've been wheezing when i get up every morning he, oh man as a parent emerson's got like a you know yeah. small trachea asthmatic allergies so the last two days like we're been debating calling a hospital yeah like it's bad it's pretty shocking but luckily he's got a Ventolin puffer but it's it's bad out there
0: yeah don't go outside okay well let's do this i'm excited to jump into actually talk about this movie so let's make a little bit of a break and then we come back... Or we, we speak- beg, beg for your loose change. <laughs> we'll be talking a little bit more about Ready Player One.
1: What's that you got in your pocket? I hear some jingling. Whoa. Pass me that toonie.
0: Whoa. Is that a toonie yeah. in your pocket or you're just glad to see me? hey yo! Well,
1: if it's a toonie, <laughs> I don't know how glad they are.
0: Dave, what, what do you, <laughs> what's your message for our listeners here this week?
1: I don't remember what we've been uh, using for verbiage, but uh, I will say this. Even though Kyle and I are somewhat employed now, we are struggling Mm -hmm. to keep this podcast alive, mostly just out of uh, lack of time. Um, And so, if you want us to stop uh, stealing these films and uh, want us to talk about more of them, uh, find a way to help us out. You know, we'll advertise one of your services after, you know, at our discretion. It is... (laughs) Depending on what you're trying to advertise. It is obnoxious how
0: quickly we would sell out, so...
1: (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. I will. I will do an ad spot for Amazon at this point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's how desperate we are, folks.
1: Yeah. We'll advertise for the devil. Jeff Bezos is a great human being.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Give me my money. It's, that sounds very desperate, but uh, it'd be great to get some support. How about Elon Musk? Would we? Will we advertise Elon Musk? He's apparently giving his money to Canada. What a fucking farce. So good for him. Yeah. What a great... <laughs> A philanthropist, a right? Being. Isn't that what you would say? <laughs> you know, between him and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg, and then the guy that runs Google, I can never remember his name. If you combine them, would you be able to assemble a single human spirit? Would there be like a drop of human empathy between the four of them? Maybe that's actually
0: the final task you have to do in the new Zelda game. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go into the five billionaires and, just, and then make one spirit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one human being. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. Give us money. What's interesting about those guys, those three, is there are zero stories of them being human beings. Mm-hmm. Everything's profiteering or you go.
0: That's how you get a billion dollars, Dave.
1: I know, I know.
0: Well, Dave, we have uh, rewatched Ready Player One. Both of us have seen it before. Mm-hmm. Let's come up with a scenario here. So if people have not seen this movie before, let's say that we are taking a tour of the new... Talking about... Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, so we're taking a tour of the new Oculus 2.
1: right? And we put it
0: on our heads, and we get a Mm -hmm. disembodied Mark Zuckerberg. No arms, legs, just a floating head and torso. That's how I imagine him all the time. And he's like, hello, fellow humans. I'm normal, and stuff. I remember blinking. There's a blinking, like, JPEG image of Ready Player One. He's like, I've recently acquired this movie.
1: This intellectual property. What
0: would you say this movie is about?
1: A teen, a young man, a teen who, uh, in a world of, of virtual reality living—that's mm-hmm. a weird word—he um, sets out on a quest to save the metaverse, which is probably trademarked now. Um, the from oasis the is of an,
0: technically what they're in,
1: but <laughs> I just—if you say the oasis, people are going to think of a right, like a palm tree in the desert, from the clutches of an evil profiteering corporation that wants to turn the internet into ad space. Imagine, Kyle, if the internet was just ads. The fucking horror. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: yeah, I think there is some prescient and forward thinking stuff as far as like how tech is going to work and how the internet is going to be in future years. Um, Or
1: how it is. But I
0: have some- criticisms i think and maybe i'll be proven wrong about how this portrays what the future is going to be like but uh before we get there dave what were your thoughts on the rewatch of this movie
1: uh yeah i was a little cool. i was tepid i think as it starts off i was uh i was holding on to my seat kyle mm. i was ready was reminisce i mean like, yeah this is spielberg film too but you know the idea of the full body vr suit like in minor report and this idea of like Existing in a computer game is exciting and you get the little Easter eggs, as they call them. But I, I felt like towards the end, there are too many plot holes and it just gets a little belabored. This movie's like two hours and 15 yeah. minutes. It is way he too could, long. You
0: could like trim this back a bit.
1: And then, I don't know, some of the messaging, I think because, he, I, again, we don't remember if this is in the novel, but as they're tending towards this put your screen down mm-hmm. narrative towards the end, I think it just starts to feel a little... Roughshod. I mean, this um, is
0: what a lot of people will criticize Spielberg for: is that he has uh, too much sentimentality that he puts into his mm-hmm. films at times. This is a good example of that. I will say, it's like hey, everyone, put your screens down. And it's basically seeing people like, you know what? He's right. And like putting their headsets down. I was like, no, <laughs> not at all. This is what not would how happen. That's
1: um, And then there's like little nuance by the end that were annoying me. Like, uh, you know, if you have the high-end suit and you're doing Kung Fu, you have wires, you know, and you're jumping around this van, which doesn't make any sense. And then everybody's playing on the street, kicking in the air. And you're like, Yes. Are you running down the street into a car when you're in this battle?
0: That that's my biggest criticism of this. Like, no, no, that's never going to be how <laughs> VR is going to be. Are you running no. down, actually running down the street.
1: No, that's uh, very like Back to the Future mm-hmm. too, right? Like people walking around with this shit on their face. It's it's just not how that works. I don't know. I, I'd hope Simon Pegg was going to be in it a little bit more. I don't like that he just shows up as an old man at the end. It feels like a waste. He's the character. voice of
0: the. The butler character. But... I know,
1: I know. You know, that's one of those things where you're expecting him to be the bad guy somehow. Or, like, just play a more prominent role instead of having the leery assistant. Um, so, just, I just felt like some of the beats were... By the end, I was kind of tired of them. Yeah. But overall, I'm... it's fun enough. Okay,
0: well, this is interesting that you, you you say that because... I don't know, maybe you have to convince me to rate this lower than what I'm going to rate it. Because on this rework watch, I definitely liked it less... Than I liked it the first time I lowered my score on letterboxed. I think across the board, the dialogue is pretty awful. <laughs> I was really noticing at this time where so many characters are just blankly stating like, this is my motivation. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm like, okay, like I want to maybe a little bit more like subtle, yeah. but also like there's some really fun scenes that I think are really, really well done.
1: I think I said it mostly in the first third.
0: Yes. I, w- I agree with that. The one scene I'll call out And this is my example of maybe why Spielberg is a little bit undervalued in current day. So the whole race sequence, right, when they're in there and King Kong is running across the rooftops. And there's all those cars going and one guy's in the delorean and another person's using the akira bicycle and there's all these other the batmobile the original batmobile Uh, is in there it's a
1: motorcycle yeah
0: you see all this ip spielberg is known for his runners meaning like long continuous shots of stuff this is mostly digitally (laughs) doing that but what is so fascinating to watch in that scene as much stuff is packed into that like digital noise and stuff I know where everyone is, I know how they're related yep. to each other, I know if who yep. is winning and who is not winning, I understand how things are moving around, like things are happening in the background and then come into the foreground and then go back when they when they're no longer needed to be included in the plot. This is what most action filmmakers should be looking at to understand and how to conceive of a scene. I'm trying to think of a good example of what we've seen this year even. Of like uh, the counter example of this like I have no idea what is happening on screen anymore maybe uh, next week we'll be talking about one uh, but even something like not as action-heavy but like Venom oh, uh, ve- oh yes Venom would be a great example of this it was like yeah. I have no idea where they are what is happening what yeah. they're even trying to go for
1: or the opposites like so boring even when they're fighting uh, you know my shit talking would definitely be a Jason Bourne movie cuz I hate sure is it green grass? Green yeah, bird? green grass, yeah. But you're right. That's that's why like the beginning of this film is so promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, the race scene, even uh, that old S- Spielberg-style, po- uh, not post-apocalypse. I mean, it is technically cyberpunky thing where he's in the in the straits. Yeah. What do they call them? Uh, the towers. And he like goes into the broken van and he's using the old equipment and he mm-hmm. logs in. That part's like pretty exciting. You're like, oh, this is a really mm-hmm. really neat idea. Classic sci-fi concept of virtual reality. He's lying down, so you know yeah. he's like using his thumb buttons. Yeah. He's not walking in his van yet until he buys the super suit <laughs> yeah the race is amazing showing like the t-rex popping yeah. out king kong oh, all things great. blowing up and yeah and you recognize all of it it's not just the hairy arm like king kong's in this movie and it's <laughs> exciting right yeah and then after that first easter egg that's when things start to twist i actually have to say too
0: so yeah the dialogue not good even in the second half there's some action sequences which are fun uh i do like this happens in the book, I remember, too. Tricking the bad guy to think that he's in virtual mm, reality when he's not. Suit.
1: Yeah. Uh, or out of... out of, or this, out of it when he isn't. Out of the chair when he's in... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: so that's fun. Um, Classic hat. Ben Mendelsohn should play every evil character because I think he always nails it. I think he's great. He, he's just an evil face. <laughs> Mark Rylance, who is an actor I love. There's so many film performances. I think he does such great choices. Uh, he's he's a theater actor, too, and I've loved the stuff that I've seen clips of him on stage. I think he's actually bad in this movie. <laughs> like, I really think he's not good in this movie. A, because I think he's way too old to be the character that he's supposed to be playing. And he just has a weird choice vocal pattern thing that is, I just don't think it works in this movie at all.
1: Yeah, I don't know who he's trying to emulate spectrum genius something, but there are no pop culture references. Like, it's sort of like a
0: combination of Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs combined, and it doesn't work for me. It doesn't
1: work. Yeah. Because, like, Steve Jobs, as weird as he was, was a showman. Yes. And Mark Zuckerberg, as weird (laughs) as he is, is like an android. Yeah. He's not human. Like, that's his problem, is that even when he speaks, you're like, I'm not sure if... This is reality.
0: This is like the my favorite year problem. It's like you fundamentally cannot combine Mel Brooks and uh, Woody Allen together because they're two different personalities.
1: (laughs) And like, yeah, facing the opposite direction, right?
0: So, yeah, maybe that's what it was. Now, do you know who it was supposed to have been originally? Oh, no. The original idea was for Gene Wilder to be in that role. And basically oh, well. be paying, playing Willy Wonka. Be Willy Wonka. Basically, that yeah. would be the role he'd be playing. I don't know if that works better, to be honest with you. But at least that would be a choice.
1: I mean, he would have been old. Yes. So it's hard to imagine how much energy you could put into it. But he just need a little bit more You've life. he have
0: been doing some de-aging stuff, too, which never looks great.
1: Yeah. I hate de-aging. There are moments, though, where when he's being sentimental, it works yeah. in a scene. But overall, the character is very odd. Particularly when he gets upset. I don't know. That's why by the second egg when it's about the woman i just i stopped i just couldn't keep up Mm -hmm. with the mystery and that's when his super memory starts feeling fake how he can recall like even conversations in these passing footage and that's where yeah in in
0: a book you can make that somewhat work because you can actually see the line it's like oh this reminds me of this thing reminds me of this thing and now i'm recalling this otherwise it's like where did this come from where did you get this information from so yeah, I, like I'm, I'm pretty like I don't know in the middle for this movie. Like it's there's some parts that are fine, but this is very mid tier Spielberg in my opinion.
1: Yeah, well I was watching with my son and uh, I forgot, forgot the Shining's in it. Oh
0: my god, it, which is kind of scary for sure. <laughs>
1: that part was done really well, oh. and I. I was surprised they got that IP. Maybe the studio owns it. Um, when the blood came out, I had to yell out that it was juice. Because if he knew that was meant to be blood, I think that would have fucking given him nightmares. Yeah, yeah. But then it turned into a zombie slasher film. And I was like, sorry, I forgot about how weird this is. Yeah, that is such
0: a weird sequence. And I, again, was like, that's what's taking over for like the whole war game sequence. Which, of course, you're not going to watch someone go through an entire movie line by line. How boring <laughs> would that be? But uh,
1: dressed as matthew Broderick when he's like 12 blade you know?
0: runner that they wanted to like riff off of which would have been cool and interesting they settle on the shining uh because of kubrick and his relationship they thought this would be a nice homage to it i yeah uh, i love the first half of that sequence so much so, like you have recreated yeah. the overlook hotel like bang on like this is looking really
1: good and adding the mystery elements like the picture ripping you're yeah. like yeah that's great because they're Right? Mm -hmm. They're in it, but they're not copying it. Yes. Oh yeah, I was like excited about that. And then, yeah,
0: the the floating ghost thing is like, I don't know, it it, it comes up a bit too goofy for me. I mean, this movie is dumb and goofy anyways, but it's like The Shining is a movie I love. Let me just put it that way. So maybe this is part of me pushing up my glasses and being a little bit too nerdy about it. It's like, I like the fact that the ghosts in The Shining are always like hinted at, but never actually ever shown. (laughs) And this Mm -hmm. is just like, no here's all the ghosts and it's like uh, okay i guess
1: well that's the thing about the first easter egg that is how computer racing games work yeah and then if you look at like maybe not gran turismo but like you look at mario kart once you find that secret yes you, it's fucking ridiculous right you jump over shit and you're you know shaving a full minute off your time right Well, like to go into one of the classic Mm Kubrick-built horror films and then turn into a Disney haunted mansion, that's an affront to the tone of that one challenge. And I think that's where it breaks the idea. Like a nerd would never do that. If a nerd programmed this as a challenge... It would have to be to escape or find the snowplow, do something within the context of the film. Or
0: have to actually go into the maze or something like that, of the shiny. Yeah. Like it would be something like right? that. Yeah.
1: So uh, that's why, like, when the picture ripped, I was like, okay, like, you can use that. You know, maybe that's going to, but then mm-hmm. they went full Disney with the silly ghosts and dancing. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. One thing. I'm not enjoying it anymore. This is, which is yeah.
0: true in the book, and it's true in here as well. What I actually do like about how this narrative is put together. Is that it isn't just the main character who is solving the clues and the mm, problems that yes. are coming up. Like he's, he's the team. He figures out the first one, but then it's his team around him that figures out the second and third. It's like the group yeah. together figuring it out rather than like, oh, I'm so smart and I'm just figuring all this stuff out by myself. So I like that, that element of it.
2: I think teamwork is for losers. It,
1: it, just in a petty turn, bald mercenary dude <laughs> out. Right. Like that has to be one of the worst face tattoos I've ever (laughs) seen in my life. Like it's like you just took like a protractor or something and drew a couple of straight lines. Uh, I know it's supposed to be the future but that was so bad and I hate too that that's just in there so the facial recognition works better. Mm. There's no reason. There isn't a single other character that has a tattoo in this fucking movie except for the one guy they got to identify with a drone. and I think that was a that was a miss for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that character design and that whole leading into the revolution, I thought was a bit weak. Is the book... Don't they live in a high-rise tower? They do the battles within the room? Oh, yeah. The, yes, they do. And they have security. Yes. Yeah, that's the point. One, right? one of the
0: characters is like super rich and yeah, has yeah, like yeah, their yeah, behind... Okay. Uh, so I just had stuff. this
1: flashback, I'm like, why didn't that happen in the movie? But it's because you need like 500 more minutes mm-hmm. to build up this second city. But it's oh, yeah. too bad. I, I love the idea of a resistance. God knows we need a revolution right <laughs> now, but uh, a bit messy.
0: Some people might call this like super nitpicky, but I, I have to call it out, which is like, I fundamentally don't believe in the year 2040 that that is how VR is going to work. Put, put aside that whether or not you people think VR is ever going to be a thing. I can accept that. Okay, VR becomes a big thing. I just don't think it is going to be goggles on over my head entering it in like that. Well, um,
1: Dyson made a face purifier. Sure,
0: <laughs> I guess. I, I guess I'm saying broadly popular. I'm not disregarding like niche communities finding use cases for that.
1: Mm-hmm. But I
0: often think about. Why the iPhone, I'll just call it that, like with touchscreen technology has become so ubiquitous is that it takes out even the slight barrier of using a mouse to go and click on something. It's like, I want this tap. I'm there. I'm in it. And VR continually puts those things up into you. It's like, oh, I want that. I can't. I have to use like these mechanisms in my hand to then Mm -hmm. manipulate going and choosing this. I think it has to be something one to one where it is like a glove and you're just grabbing it and you're doing your thing.
1: A power
0: glove? A club? power glove is what people are looking for.
2: <laughs> now, I don't know how to
0: visualize that necessarily, but that's the thing. And I fully do not agree, think that ever in my lifetime, is anyone going to get in a suit and like a little hamster ball and be in a VR environment? I just don't believe
1: no. it. I was going to say the sex suit exists already. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure.
0: I'm sure that'll so happen. Yes.
1: that world, I'm pretty sure it already exists, but that's what VR will be. It will be for sex. Yeah, this idea that we will enter our entire consciousness into a computer program is fear mongering because the human uh, biology can't allow for that. (laughs) You would die, you you know, you would just get sick all Mm -hmm. the time. Uh, As much as we like to joke about how we're becoming more obese and we're going to be like in uh, WALL-E, we wouldn't survive that world. It's just not how our uh, internal organs are configured. And we're already seeing a pushback. I mean, I don't actually know are they called Gen A's now? But this idea that people are getting dumb phones and trying to go out for experiential things, whether I respect them intellectually or not, who knows. But there's that part I agree with you. Yeah. That's so 80s, this idea that the future is people wearing goggles without knowing where they're stepping on the sidewalks. Stupid. But there's also a reason why Google, Apple, and Facebook are investing so heavily on virtual reality. And it is all about ad space. But there is gonna be something to that. I like your observation about the point uh, the point and click and removing obstacles. So maybe it'll be retinal. Yeah. You know, like where you look and they'll be I'm looking at it and it
0: does it, right?
1: And a, a blink or I don't know, whatever the neurological yeah. signal to take away even our hand use. So that's just reverse uh reserved for uh masturbating. <laughs> But I I do think, Mm. um, I think that's an interesting observation. I do think that's right. The technology needs to be geared around removing obstacles for us either to purchase stuff or to experience things. Much smarter
0: than me have already pointed that out. It's like, yes, there is like, when you look at any new technology, there's the people who are always the people who jump on the first iteration of it. And then there's a second and third wave. And once you get to that third wave, then it becomes something that everyone basically gets. Um, If you don't hit that third wave, then it, a failed technology like it just <laughs> goes away no, and i think snuggie. what apple is maybe developing who knows is going to have to be something that removes that idea of like a i look stupid having these goggles on my face mm-hmm. <laughs> but b you have to find the use case scenario and i don't think the metaverse the way that has been portrayed to me is that killer it's like so no. you want weird like we looking avatars to Go and like browse the internet. Why would I do that? There's nothing there for me, and it probably will be the sex industry. Let's put it up front. Like that's probably what it's going to be. Absolutely,
1: yeah, absolutely. AR will work, but. In my, I don't remember, I haven't watched Minority Report in too mm-hmm. long, but t- they don't wear goggles. Is it a contact yeah, lens? Yeah, it's
0: a contact lens or, I mean, yeah, if people got glasses and an overlay, yes. Yeah. Totally. I can that's, see that.
1: That's gonna, That's where it's going to go. It's going to be a contact lens or, or a surgical mm-hmm. in, uh, insertion into your eyeball. And everywhere you look, you know, if it measures where your hand is and you say, I will take that, that's because I mean, they're already doing facial recognition so this idea of retinal recognition is not that far off that's
0: the thing i love about minority report the other spielberg movie because he convened like a bunch of like forward thinkers people who think about this a lot and the one thing like, like i think they absolutely got 100 right people walking down the mall and the little placards yes. there changing what the advertisement is based on the person who's walking past it because it's like oh yep. we know what to advertise to you and we know what to advertise to you 100 that's going to happen <laughs> of some I don't know if that's going to be a one-to-one,
1: but it's going to be something like that for sure.
2: All this talk about the surveillance state has made me all hot and bothered. You know,
1: I've just had this thought about the problem with this movie more than the book is that it can't decide whether it's steampunk or cyberpunk Mm -hmm. because it's both anachronistic and uh, post-apocalyptic. Like, it's, you know, steampunk would be if you had a steam engine with, like, computers on it, but... Uh, this thing is kind of stuck halfway because their idea of the future is 1980, which mm-hmm. makes it very confusing. So maybe Spielberg himself felt caught with what VR's meant to look like, because the book would always characterize these things as an 80s film. Because he's made a Minority Report, he knows it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that movie is fantastic.
0: So I mean, he they, like that film essentially predicted how different finger swipes would do different things on screens, which is a thing that actually does happen now on even iPads and smartphones.
1: I'm telling you, man, I'm I'm pretty sure I watched it. I don't think I imagined it, but that sex suit exists already. Yeah. And I think that, that that came from Minority Report. And that's why I think that world... For sure, that kitschy sort of fetish world will use all of these tools. They already do Mm -hmm. interactive video games, interactive porn, and they'll use the goggles. And people, when they're participating in those events, will buy a headset at home. But yeah, walking down at the mall just so that you can touch an advertisement on a wall and you've got goggles on, no, yeah. I'm going to do that. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Well, there's some other stuff I Anyways. want to get into here, but let's do some backstory here first. So, this movie opened up on March 29th, 2018. It's currently rated 3.2 on Letterboxd, has a 7.4 on IMDb, a 64 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes, from 448 critics, it has a 72%, and from 25,000 plus users, it has a 77%. It is available on DVD and Blu-ray, and you can rent it on both YouTube and iTunes. It's Budget was 175 million dollars. Oh wow! My guess That's is IP, IP rights is probably what yeah. went into a bunch of that. Paid off because its box office was 592 Whoa. worldwide. It's not bad. Not not too shabby. Not Too shabby. Interesting right. though that does not put it into the top ten of the year.
1: We have to find a forensic accountant to. I mean, I think the world is looking for this to understand how Hollywood reports its numbers, but in our experience now, having worked generationally in three different, Mm -hmm. like not just decades, but fundamentally different generational concepts of budgets and box office, I think we can agree now that whatever they're talking about in the last 15 years is entirely fraudulent. It's just, it cannot Mm -hmm. be an acceptable norm you know, even with IP rights, which is a poison yes, in creativity, sure. this movie should not cost $200 million. No, it should me. not. No. <laughs> so there's something wrong with that, right? And then the take is weird too. Like, even what is,
0: accounting for inflation, when he was like, you made E.T. for 20 million bucks. Like, I don't yeah. understand how this there's is costing 175. Right?
1: million. Yeah, there's something. And it's not the director's fault. It's the production studios and the culture of American uh, money reporting. But there's something, something's awry. Mm. Something's amiss. Kyle.
0: It's plot description from IMDB is when the creator of a virtual reality called the Oasis dies, he makes a posthumous challenge to all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune (laughs) and control of his world. Which I can't imagine is actually illegal, but whatever. Uh (laughs) I'm totally fine. That's just that's a dumb thing to say. Um I was gonna say the other thing. This actually is pertains to what we started our conversation off with at the at the beginning here, i don't remember
1: what we're talking about yeah
0: when we weren't even talking about the movie and the other thing i just don't fundamentally agree with is the fact that like everyone quote unquote is on the oasis it's like no mm. things are too fractured now <laughs> everyone would never be on the same virtual reality <laughs> it's game it's
1: like 10 billion people online who's who's how who's, who's hosting this service who's working yeah. who, who
0: works in this world <laughs>
1: There'd be no environment. We're worried about blockchain technology. Mm-hmm. But if you put 8 billion people on the internet all at once in the one server. Good luck. Well, it's the future. It's the future.
0: And it's time to play everyone's favorite game. Guess. That. Tag. 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 This is, of course, where I get to don a handsome blazer, pick up the long microphone that Bob Barker used to use. And we guess uh, what the tagline was for this movie. Because, of course, when you go to the movie theater, Dave, you see that row of posters as you walk in. Beautiful graphic design of floating heads, mostly nowadays. And there's like a little line of dialogue put onto those posters to entice you to come and see the upcoming films. I mean, this week, of course, you should probably take your son to go and see Across the Spider-Verse. That's coming out this week.
1: All right, we're recording for the future. Yeah. I was like, "That's not coming out this weekend." <laughs> no. Okay, that's exciting though. That's sooner than I thought. Yeah. We were talking about we have this free movie. What was. There's another one we wanted. To, oh, Guardians! But Guardians too heavy. We realize it's 1480. Yeah, it's, it's it, not And it really group.
0: is a PG thirteen. It is. It's PG thirteen, like a nineteen eighties PG thirteen. Yeah. Let's read that way. Like it yeah. gets pretty aggressive. So, we'll wait. so I would I would wait on that one for sure. Unless you're like totally down with animal cruelty, because then boy howdy, <laughs> do they have some P-
1: great so stuff for Peter you. Peter did not stamp their approval. I can't imagine on that they film. did. I <laughs>
0: cannot imagine that they did. Oh, this cute little animal? We're going to murder it in front of your eyes.
1: <laughs> They're probably like, oh, it's CGI. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Unlike the 1980s and 70s where Kyle and I have <laughs> absolutely watched animals Actual get animals murdered.
0: killed in front of us, yes. <laughs>
1: Confirmed. That's movie magic, Dave. Who cares about <laughs> the too monkey? too many kangaroos. Just gas There's it. too many kangaroos. Just gas the
0: monkey. Who cares?
1: You know what? We should make a movie so that we can kill these kangaroos. There's just too many of them
0: some people ask me whether or not i'm a filmmaker or a kangaroo killer and i say why not both <laughs> um okay so dave just take a walk about one of these is the real tagline two of these i completely made up so was the tagline to ready player one a better reality awaits was it nostalgia wins or is it you make your own future
1: well, what's the first one again
0: uh, a better reality awaits
1: i'm gonna go with one
0: you would be correct. That is Oof. the real tagline to this movie.
1: Yeah, I'm doing pretty good this mm-hmm.
0: year. This, of course, stars Ty Sheridan as Wade Watts slash Parcival, Olivia Cook as Samantha Cook slash Artemis, Lena Waithe as Helen Harris slash H, uh, Mark Rylance as James Halliday slash Anorak, and Ben Mendelsohn as Nolan Sorrento, which I just have to say is a great villain name. But uh, <laughs> Nolan Sorrento because <laughs> they're all the Monsanto movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you want to hear my dad get mad, bring up Monsanto next to him. Oh, wait,
1: wait—he's pro or anti oh, he's Monsanto? Anti.
0: Very much so. Okay,
1: so he's not purely evil, right? He's a good human being at his core. Yes, he's oh, just
0: wait, wait, wait. a flat earther. <laughs> Why would you go directly like, "Oh, your dad's not evil"? <laughs> okay. Um, yes, the people who want to uh, copyright claim seeds, anyways, uh, makes me mad. N-
1: not want to. Have. they have a company that owns seeds how to f- how to feed them the machines in which you use to apl- apply yes. the feed for you and, and then, then we'll uh, blow those
0: seeds onto neighboring farms <laughs> and then sue those farms for growing copyright that's seeds. not a good
1: company mm. like they don't have our best interests at heart oh. is that is that what we're saying that they use cancerous pesticides and we're I fine i don't
0: think it's actually ty sheridan's fault necessarily but I don't know. I'm 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 not totally down with our main character either. Uh, not that I think he's bad, but he's pretty dull as written. I don't know. He's not... Like,
1: what's his big... Why what? do I know him? I know him what? from
0: Mud. That's the only other movie I've seen him in
1: with oh, Matthew yeah. McConaughey. He was good in Mud. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. But he was just this, but younger and brattier. Mm. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have the most likable energy. I was going to say face, which is wow. cool, but... Yeah, I didn't really enjoy him as a lead. I I think particularly by the end, I was not inspired by his speeches. I just stopped caring. I Actually, something Mm
0: -hmm. that you just said there, I kind of agree with. I give him maybe even 15 more years. I think he grows into like being, if he's still in the business, I guess, a great character actor. I think he could play a Mm -hmm. great villain.
1: Yeah, it depends on how he roughs up Mm -hmm. or if he can grow a beard, I guess. But he could Jude Law. I mean, he's never pretty like Jude Law, but Jude Law makes a great villain Mm -hmm. now because he... Didn't grow up as pretty as he was when he was a baby, right. and uh he's a good actor. People don't like a little under, yeah, under, uh, under-respect him. He's crazy. He's got a good crazy face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude's a weirdo.
0: Cinematography by Janus or Janus Kaminsky. uh He's a Spielberg guy, honestly. Spielberg tapped him back when he made Schindler's List, and he's basically made every single Spielberg movie since then. Oh wow! The four okay. that they highlight on IMDb are Schindler's List from 1993, War Horse from 2011, Minority Report from 2002, West Side Story from 2021.
1: You know what's interesting is they have different tones for the genre. Like the sci-fi are always this blue, hazy lens flarey stuff. And then West Side Story was very very warm,
0: right? It's very very orangey, yellowy kind of tones. Yeah.
1: I haven't seen Warhorse, but same uh, thing
0: though. It has kind of a warm, warm warmish tone to it. Interesting. Written by Zach Penn and Ernest Klein, based on the book by Ernest Klein. directed by, um, what's it? Uh, Steven Spielberg. I don't know. Some guy named Spielberg, I guess.
1: (laughs) Johnny Spielberg. Johnny
0: H. Spielberg. Or if you go the Simpsons route, Steven Spielbergo.
1: Yeah. It's like last week, maybe his son came in yeah. to write the script so you know it all Why starts two with two
0: weeks ago, it all it starts with bernard klein i actually didn't know much about this guy until a couple of days ago when i looked all this up a uh, self-described nerd he would work in it while also developing screenplays and other ideas in his spare time he first comes to prominence apparently by winning the austin poetry slam in 1998 and 2001 oh, wow Yeah, snaps snaps, like spoken words that stuff nice he takes one of those pieces and adapts it into an early viral video called dance monkey dance which i watched this morning and it's like i have no memory of this at all and i was very online but it's like you can see it on youtube it was uploaded 16 years ago so like it was very
1: much monkey dance okay but not the tones and i song maybe her song's riffing off of this idea maybe she's a fan of this video Finally,
0: he takes his uh, nerdiness and writes the screenplay to fanboys. Have you seen the movie Fanboys?
1: No. I know of it, but I haven't yeah. actually watched it. Yeah. That's Star Wars, right?
0: People don't know, it is literally about a movie where a friend group of nerds, while well, they love Star Star Wars, one of their friends is gets cancer and is gonna die before episode one can be released. So they go and they steal a copy of episode one and then watch it. That is basically the entire is Jay
1: Bear show? Yes. Or is it, yes, okay. Uh, you think I'd seen. This is my superpower. I know of. And films. Kristen oh, Bell, I, I want to say, is in that movie too. Oh, oh, that's interesting. I did not know
0: Um. That. Anyways, what he does is he writes this movie, Fanboys. He takes it upon himself to film a proof of concept short and shares that along with the screenplay to Harry Knowles of Ain't It Cool News. Do you remember the website Ain't It Cool News? Yes. Um... <laughs> Not a great uh, legacy that that <laughs> website and gentlemen have uh, have left, but it, they it was pretty popular back a then. Big deal. He's able to introduce Klein to people in the film industry so that it can actually get made. So that movie does get made. It's released in 2009 to pretty mixed reviews, but it does get Klein's foot in the door, and he, uh, which brings us to the book Ready Player One. And this is the part where I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why people were so eager to... To work with him because it's like, sure, he's won his poetry slams, but the movie he wrote wasn't a success. But he writes this book uh, and a uh, a bidding war happens. Like every publishing house around the world wants to be the publisher for this book. Because the publishers are all Gen Xers. Maybe. maybe the, like, That's why he wrote this. Maybe the logline was just like that powerful that they're like, we need yeah. to have this book. Because yeah. um, he sells the book uh, in 2010. The publishing uh, war starts. Ultimately, it goes to Crown Publishing Group, which is a subsidiary of Random House. One day later, Warner Brothers purchases the film rights. So, before the book is even
1: published. The hype was, hype was real. Yeah,
0: the movie is in production before the book even gets published. When it does get published, it's an instant bestseller. It gets very positive reviews when it first comes out. Not that critics were claiming that it was like the next great work of literature. But this one J K. But but one outlet outlet claimed that it was the adults Harry Potter.
1: Oh, that's funny Mm -hmm. that I threw J K. in there. All right, and most
0: agreed that it was a page turner that made you want to race to the end to finish. Remember, this is the year twenty eleven, so certainly Facebook was around, but our culture of social media was really not a thing as of yet. And I bring that up only because the response to this book would actually turn to be pretty negative. In the lead-up to the film's release, um, generally speaking, now online people do not like this book, even though people did when it was first released. Different generation. Yeah. Nowadays, mm-hmm. th- this is the quote I loved that I found. Uh, now, like a more recent critic labeled this book a Peter Panish infatuation with childishness, which comes coated in a stench of stale Doritos, Jolt Cola, and lowbrow smugness. <laughs>
1: Holy shit. <laughs>
0: that's how they term it. Wow.
1: This is how you get hurt. I'm telling you,
0: you've got to be an asshole. I guess you have to be more of an asshole, Dave. Now, so regardless of what we think now at the time, sold, sold a lot of copies generally liked it. Also, I think this probably was what made it become a bestseller. It also featured its own hidden Easter egg within the novel. I will not go into supreme detail because it's a long convoluted, but essentially any part of the book, there's a website that is mentioned that if you go to that website, going through a bunch of challenges both online and in the real world, it led to somebody winning a DeLorean. That's what happened. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Spielberg signs on to direct this film pretty early on after Warner Brothers buys the rights, which is probably why it kept being in production for so long. A small problem came up. Spielberg's own movies feature quite heavily into the narrative of the book. Spielberg is adamant that he's not interested in looking at his own work with a nostalgic lens. So they change most of the references to other people's work, uh, but he keeps the stuff that he helped produce, or are of his friends, like Robert Zemeckis, Stanley Kubrick. He also had to be convinced to use the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. He, He didn't want to initially do that, but he's convinced to do it. Spielberg is one of those directors that, even with big budgets, is still able to keep things on time and in budget. So the film begins shooting at the end of June of 2016. Mostly shot in England, filming wraps in September of 2016. So that's three months. Remember Mm -hmm. the solo fiasco (laughs) from last week, where it's like nine months of shooting to get that movie. So they do all this in three months. It was the post-production that took a bunch of time. Specifically, all the special effects shots Uh, were covered by Industrial Light and Magic, plus another studio. Spielberg has stated that it was his most technically difficult movie he's done since Saving Private Ryan, mostly because what he needed to do to make sure all the shots were how he wanted them to be, and because there's so many of them, he took three-hour-long meetings, three days a week, for a few months just to get them where they need to be just and planning. then let the artists yeah. go after that it's ready to be released initially this was supposed to come out december of 2017 um, but they delay it so that they don't have to compete with star wars the last jedi so it comes out three mm. months later making it officially a 2018 film it's not like rapturously reviewed but it's positive it's mostly positive Makes a bunch of cash. Gets nominated for Best Special Effects at the Academy Awards, but doesn't win. Since the release of this movie, a book sequel has been published to Ready Player One. And pre-production on the movie sequel has started, but there's no official word on whether or not that's actually going to move into production.
1: Did they call it Ready Player Two? I
0: think it was, yes. (laughs) They should have called it The Luigi. (laughs) Luigi.
1: Ty Sheridan's Haunted Mansion.
0: (laughs) Actually, uh, after that um, Mary Brothers movie, I kind of want to see a Luigi's Haunted Mansion Luigi's pretty funny in it, yeah. Okay, anything else you want to say about this movie?
1: I don't know. I think the first time I watched it the people behind the avatars felt cuter to me. Mm -hmm. And this time I watched it, I was like, you know, I mean, age is one thing, having sort of a, a young adult black woman pretending to be a dude is one thing. But having like two, like a toddler and a fucking tween Asian ninja riding the back of a mail van <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and they've amassed like uh, I, I get it uh, you know when you look at streamers there's 10 year olds who sure. are making millions of dollars but allegedly but i don't know i just felt that was annoying and then to that problem there was i think a mistake on steven spielberg's part when part when they're uh setting up for the final battle And instead of the camera focusing on our leads, it spends easily a full minute on the Asian boy's face because we're supposed to get ready for him to be a ninja, except they haven't really set Set that up up, at all. And then all of a sudden, he's like busting ass in real life after doing the Zen meditation. I was like, I don't know. It's so pretentious. Part of Uh,
0: this is me being kind of mean. Zach Penn is one of the writers on this movie. And I've never really been a fan of Zach Penn's scripts.
1: Like what's a what's an example X-Men of 3 a bad- is the oh, big yeah, one it's not good um, yeah, that's it's the bad other one. bad
0: one i can't remember there's a couple other ones i just yeah. i've never it's been a big cheap. fan of his work yeah. as a screenwriter because i always think it sacrifices character to, for moments and it yeah. never works when you do that
1: no well, that's what happens in this so I'll, I'll be with you on that yeah which
0: is unfortunate because i think spending a little bit more time with the group and setting those things up or that final battle would just make that payoff feel so much more earned
1: maybe that was left on the cutting room floor too we don't know they talk I mean, a, the movie is too long but uh, there's
0: a few hmm. movies that we've talked about they do reference in this movie uh they talk about kira like in the dark crystal they talk they have a fast times <laughs> reference in this um so for something that's not uh culturally relevant dave fast time shows up <laughs> in ready player one
1: that's <laughs> so, why well, <so> nobody knows <laughs> yeah. it's in there <laughs> right. and nobody gave a shit <laughs>
0: It's called the Zemeckis Cube, pretty on the nose, but still yeah. <laughs> the thing that turns back yeah. time. I do think drone delivery will become a thing someday. So I like that. It's, they, already, it's already here and exists. In, yeah. The bigger yeah, cities. The
1: FFA just, FAA just doesn't like it two i mean they're using drones to drop bombs in ukraine so there's mm-hmm. a good reason why we shouldn't have these fucking things in the air but uh
0: um two last things one a negative and one a positive. positive first my negative thing is what does it mean to mod something in this world <laughs> i can't I don't know. like he's building the iron giant and then like something gets to sort of like all mod it back for you i'm like but yeah. what are you actually doing then like you're Shoot. coding in the back end and if you can code why hasn't someone just found where all the things are, if you can mess with the code of the Oasis.
1: Well, it has to be, it has to be thought of as an operation that one can hone within the context of sure. said program, rather than uh, affecting the code of the Oasis itself. Okay. Uh, not that that makes sense, sure. but that's it. Seems like. You know, like when you play Final Fantasy, there's like a blacksmith, like you can go to a store and somebody can, or Zelda, you can go to a great fairy and she can strengthen your clothes. So Mm. when I was watching that, it felt like something like that to me. But, you know, this idea that, uh, oh, when you die, you lose all your coins. But then when uh, Artemis blows up her Akira laser cycle and she just hands him H or her or them an icon. And then within a conversation, it's like rebuilt. Right. It just felt cheap. You know, cheap. It didn't feel like a real skill. I so. think
0: that if you die in the Oasis, you die in real life. I think that's what should happen.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, if if we get to the point where you're losing real money, uh, yeah. people will take their own lives.
0: That's true. Well. The positive thing I'm going to throw out with this, this is actually a really big thing for me to say, because I'm not the biggest Alan Silvestri fan either, who's the composer of this film. I actually think the, the score is actually pretty good across the board for this movie. I was noticing it a lot while watching it. And a really cool thing he does, again, this is nostalgia for me, maybe this is partly why I like it. In that final battle, when like Mecha Godzilla finally gets created, they use the Godzilla theme... Yeah. very subtly in the background with other themes coming in like that's kind of cool that they're combining musically what is happening uh into the score.
2: I call meka Godzilla daddy. I remember when Lord
1: of the Rings came out, and that was when Maya was the brand new mm. 3D generation. Sure, and. and I remember that sense because the whole selling point marketing was the battle, uh, the first battle at Mount Doom, and just seeing like 10,000 yeah. elves running and that, you know, that side of scale. So when this final battle came out, I did have that sense. I was like, oh, wow, they've really painted this picture really well. But as all uh, films suffer, it always then zooms into single battles yeah. and you know you lose that sense of scale a little bit. One of the tricks that Peter Jackson did is even when there's are single battles in Lord of the Rings, there are a 5,000 elves dying behind them yeah. as a backdrop. <laughs> so it makes it like, it feels more real. What movie do we watch recently where it was particularly bad? Was it Black Panther maybe? Where it's, you know, they're clearly by oh. themselves on a soundstage. Yeah. There's, uh, there's some good moments. It builds up to these crescendos and you're like, yeah, this is what... Uh, on all of battles, but him making a speech and, you know, t- telegraphing it or uh, televising yeah, little, it or pretty pretty, much. so cheesy I think it just ended
0: in a Smash Brothers melee mm-hmm. or something like that. We're
2: done here.
1: Okay.
0: Well, the machine has said that we do have to wrap things up here. So we'll first get into the critics choice. The, part oh, of the sh- last thing, oh.
1: if she, if, if Artemis is hacking a soldier's avatar, she shouldn't have her face. <laughs> Right? That is true. It should just yeah, be yeah. a soldier. So that whole scene where she takes off her helmet and can communicate with Ty's shirt and total, that's also mm-hmm. dumb. Well,
0: let's discover what the critics thought at the time. This is critics' choice. So the positive one comes from Britton Peel from the Dallas Morning News, who writes, For all its faults, the movie has a sense of fun that is hard to ignore, and it's clear that it comes from a place of genuine affection for the reference material.
1: I've got Alison Wilmore from BuzzFeed News, and she writes... It is, despite Spielberg's claims, neither a pure hearted popcorn flick nor a Paul Ven-
0: Verhoevenesque. Verhoeven-esque. Yeah.
1: Wow. Paul Verhoevenesque subversion, but something uneasily in between. Cowed. Wow, that's a tough word she used. Cowed by the idea of the fanboy demographic. Yolked. She should have used yolked. Ooh. <laughs> um, okay. Actually, not yolk. There's no L. Yolk. Yoke. Yoked.
0: Y-O-K-E. Dave, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant?
1: No, I don't I don't think it does on either. You know, every year that passes, I don't think it holds up that well visually and we're really losing touch with the 80s. Mm-hmm. And for the same reason, like I would rather watch Minority Report sure. if we're going to talk about VR. So I'm going to go with no and no.
0: Uh, no, I agree with you. I don't think it's, I, I think this is going to be slowly forgotten Uh, over time, which is too bad. I think they had all the elements to make this being something that could last, uh, maybe an investigation of that nostalgia a little bit more, but... um... Mm Yeah, I don't, I don't see this <laughs> last it's thing trapped
1: now. within itself, mm-hmm. right? It was trapped within itself.
0: I still think you're going to have to convince me to lower my score even more than I did. So, um, but... Because <laughs> now I feel like it's just way too high. Uh, uh I'm, I'm but we do need to thing. rate this film. Before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs. the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle tm. If you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our Letterboxed page. That's letterboxed. Fox.com And if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There's a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month. Something that you can do for absolutely free is leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. Dave. What rating are you going to give to Ready Player One?
1: Yeah, I'm struggling too. I I, I was originally walking in here with a 2.5 and I'm debating lowering it, but I I do love Spielberg and there are little points of fun in this, but would I watch it again? Yeah, Kyle? that's the question. I don't question. think I would. So I'm going to drop it to a 2. Like I love Steven Spielberg, but there's so many problems with this movie. Mm-hmm. When it's fun, it's fun. I, I'm gonna go with two. Okay. That's,
0: so then I'm gonna I'm gonna lower my score too because I'm I was, I'm thinking about the way we talked about this. Like I was giving it a three, and I think I'm like, no, I I can't give it a three. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a two point <laughs> five. I'll do the classic 0. 0.5 Kyle bump because I don't hate it. No. But I'm not gonna it's watch not this venom. again.
1: No, I don't need to watch this movie again. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, that's only gonna tie with one other film, interestingly enough, from last week. So, do you think this is better or worse than Solo, a Star Wars story?
1: Uh. Better. Yeah, me too.
0: Yeah. Uh, Ready Player One, interestingly enough, above Solo, a Star Wars story, but right underneath, Ralph breaks the internet.
1: You know what's interesting about the internet, just in reflection? Internet, as it's perceived in 2018, is so fundamentally the same and different yeah. than it is already at 2023. 100%. So yeah. you're just, you're never going to get it right.
0: Okay. It's too close. Well, let's find out what we're watching here next week, Dave. I'm going to push this button. Welp. We're in for another bad time, Dave, I'm sorry to say, because we get to watch Jurassic World, colon, oh, for Fallen sake. Kingdom, the sequel to Jurassic World. The I know we'll talk about it The worst one next of the week. series, I think.
1: I tried to turn on Jurassic World and we lasted 45 minutes, There's... like fighting grit teeth. And then we realized just how bad like listen i'm not going to argue
0: that was was there a script i'm not going to argue like, was that there a
1: script ju- in that movie
0: no but i mean i'm not going to argue <sighs> that jurassic world is a good movie i do like the brothers in that movie i actually kind of love their storyline
1: kid is so fucking whiny he's yeah, crying yeah, all the time well i mean
0: go back and watch the original jurassic park dave those two kids are yeah, pretty but whiny they too. actually
1: i think it made sense in that mm-hmm. one i i don't know why there's just something more realistic maybe it's just They were like more like kids I grew up with. But
0: anyways, I wish that the series followed them rather than the Chris Pratt character. But that's we'll talk about that next week.
1: Chris Pratt is awful in that movie, too.
0: All right. Well, just uh, just unplug your your headset here, Dave. Let's see if we can get back into the real world. Turn
1: it off and turn it back on again. We're going Matrix. It's actually feeding into my spinal cord and using my body mass. No, sorry. My BTUs as a battery.
0: Apple would sell that for (laughs) $15,000.
1: They would love that, right? MagSafe charger.
0: The ice spine, (laughs)
1: yeah.
2: All this talk about the surveillance state has made me all hot and bothered.